Now our scripture for the day comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Did it come on? There it goes. Just after worship today, the trees in the lobby will come down. Uh, the garland that half fell off the stage last week will come totally down. The wreaths and the lights will be put away. The wise men will be well on their way by their different road back home, and we kind of pick up the, the pieces of where we left off this last year and uh, get back to life as it was just several weeks ago. For uh, the last three or four weeks, anytime I went to a restaurant or a business, I felt I needed to Google the hours first uh, just to make sure that they were open or on holiday hours or some different things like that. And uh, and then whether, uh, whether it was good news or uh, whether we're a teacher and maybe a little bit harder news, but all the kids went back to school this week. You know, life kind of goes back to normal in uh, a really kind of profound way uh, during this particular week. And, and after a season of generosity, after a season of celebration, uh, this past weekend is as noted as one of the most difficult weekends of the year uh, because it's all of a sudden... Uh, we realize uh, just how much we spent over Christmas. And, and not just money, right? But uh, mental energy, uh, relational credit of having to put up with some people that we would probably only prefer to just have to do it once a year, right? And we kind of go back to the routines and the, the schedules, and we're kind of picking up those pieces of our lives that we kind of put on hold a little bit uh, on our journey to Bethlehem over the last couple weeks. And that comes with its own uh, bit of pressure. Uh, there's different work schedules, uh, all of the overtimes that, that we've had to work for those retail jobs over the last couple weeks. Uh, that exhaustion is really kind of set into the bones, right? Uh, the bills that start rolling in and all of a sudden the priorities and the schedules and the demands on our, on our time and attention that uh, for the last couple weeks we've just been saying that sounds like a January problem. And now all of a sudden January is here. And so all of a sudden, our, our focus kind of goes from a season of generosity and of celebration and of uh, Christmas to now the, the problems and the demands and the struggles that kind of pop up right in front of us. And we, we kind of do a little bit of prioritization. We kind of do a little bit of weighing of uh, what's the most important thing that I have to deal with today in order to kind of carry this thing forward. And we can, we can get so zoomed in 
uh, during this particular season of our life. We can get uh, so focused on the problems or the obstacles or the struggles uh, that are popped up right in front of us uh, that we can actually begin uh, to get into our own way just a little bit. Uh, We can begin to kind of miss that bigger picture of what's going on around us. And in a life of faith, we can miss that bigger, beautiful, kind of grace-filled picture that God is putting together all around of us. And we can miss how we fit into this beautiful plan of what God is doing to make all things new again. So for the next couple weeks, we're, we're kicking off this new year with a new sermon series called Zoom Out, uh, seeing the bigger picture of realizing that uh, when we get so zoomed in on our lives, when we get so focused on what's right in front of us and the problems and the struggles and the pressures of what, what really kind of demands our time, we can get into situations that we begin to miss the blessings, uh, the opportunities that are popping up of what God is really bringing into this world in incredible ways. The season of epiphany is the season of being changed and transformed and realizing just who came down to be with us. We're all told that there was a baby in a manger that would come, and when we stared into the face of God for the first time, we were changed. From the wise men to the shepherds uh, to the highest rungs of society to the very least, when they stared into the face of God, something within them changed. All of a sudden, the perspective shifted from what was right in front of them to the fact that the creator of all that we know and all that we love has come down to tell us that God loves us. And so as we think about this season of shifting. It becomes a season almost in a way of taking a step back in our faith. And in taking a step back, we're not talking about taking a step back in how much we love God. We're not talking about taking a step back in how much we love others or how much we uh, love who God has created us to be. Taking a step back in our faith this season is simply just shifting our perspective so that we get a wider picture of what God is doing of what God is bringing into this world so that all of a sudden we don't just see a jumbled mess of pressures and priorities in front of us. Well, we begin to see that God is putting together so much larger of a picture of grace and of mercy and of love and of blessing in this world. And we get to be a part of that, of something new that is being brought in and built and transformed to show love and grace and mercy. So taking a step forward in our faith, if that's a goal for you for 2023, it can begin today with starting to get a wider picture of just what God might be doing around us. In our scripture today, we we hear the story of uh, Jesus's first steps into public ministry. So as of everything that we've known of the stories about Jesus' birth over the last couple weeks and uh, the visit of the wise men. Uh, now, all of a sudden, we get uh, Jesus' first steps into the road and the journey that will lead him through teaching, through preaching, through performing miracles, to journeying down that road that will ultimately lead him to the cross, to the tomb, to resurrection. And his first steps on that journey 
bring him to the shores of the Jordan River to come find John, the baptizer, uh, the one who's been calling people broods of vipers and dunking their heads under water and telling everybody how terrible they are while he's sitting around in camel robes eating bugs. And he comes to John, whose, whose entire goal at this point is telling everybody how much they need to repent. Jesus comes to John for baptism. Now, John, like probably most of us, we realize that this first chapter of Jesus' public ministry, these first steps were so zoomed in on, actually seem a little backward. This doesn't seem to be the way that it's all supposed to begin. The one who is without sin doesn't need to come to the waters of baptism to be forgiven of their sins. And John's like, Jesus, I don't understand at all what you're trying to do in this moment. You should be the one <laughs> baptizing me. And John is so zoomed in of who Jesus is and all of a sudden a realization of who he is that he misses the large picture of just exactly what Jesus is trying to do in this moment. Jesus is saying, I have come to fulfill all righteousness. He is missing, John is missing the obedience. John is missing the blessing. John is missing the larger picture and the larger story of just what Jesus is doing when he comes to these waters. Of revealing and of proclaiming and of testifying to the world just how wide and deep and grace-filled these waters of God can be. Of coming and showing what it means to be marked and to be covered and to be called a child of God. In those moments that this story, Jesus is trying to proclaim and trying to show each and every one of us that it's not about John and it's not about us and it's not about how we feel about ourselves, but exactly about how God feels about us. Of what God is trying to do in the world. And through this very first step of the journey, it begins with baptism. It begins with grace, it begins in mystery, and it begins in a step that shifts our perspective, not just on what's in front of us, but on the larger story of what God is doing in this world. And the first story of the author of salvation in this book is that he comes to experience the grace-filled waters of God and to be marked as a child of God. And you see, John protests, and John argues, and John debates, and John misses the point entirely. That Jesus' first act wasn't coming to argue the, the tenets of theology and who is deserving and who is righteous, but rather that we can all come to these waters and experience grace and life and salvation. And as John takes one step forward of this picture that he doesn't even fully understand up to this point of why Jesus has come to experience these waters. And taking a step forward in order to baptize Jesus, John is really taking a, a mental and emotional perspective step backwards to begin to see and to be a part of something that is so much larger than himself, that is not about his self-worth, that is not about the sins that he carries, it's not about how deserving that he is, it's about being a part of what God is doing in the world. And as he lowers Jesus under those waters and lifts him back up, the heavens themselves open. 
And the voice of God declares, this is my son, the beloved in whom I am well pleased. Those words were not meant for Jesus. God said those words for John. God said those words for the crowd. God said those words for us. Because as we hear those words, that this is my child, a beloved one of God, in whom I am well pleased, that is one of the few titles that Christ carries through the gospel that expands to each and every one of us. We might not be the king of kings. We might not be the prince of peace. We might not be the author of salvation, but we are a beloved child of God. And that one title and that one proclamation and that affirmation that John hears from God as the heavens are opened begins to be our testimony and our calling and our blessing. And all of a sudden, all who come to these waters to be blessed and to be marked and to be covered and to be cleansed and to be called a child of God. It's not about the concerns or the protest that John has of our own self-worth, of whether we're worthy enough or whether we deserve these waters at all. It's the expansive story of God's grace that God's story is open to all people. That everyone comes to these waters and that we can all be called a child of God. And who are we to get in the way of what God is doing? So this last week, as we got ready for the first day of school, had a chance to kind of share a little bit with my daughters about, you know, uh, how exciting or how depressing that day can be. We had one daughter that was super excited. We had uh, one daughter that it was maybe the worst day of her life. And they love to hear of my experiences in school. You see, because uh, my daughters uh, only get uh, the best marks in their behavior and uh, their, their attitude and their work ethic in school. It's ridiculous. Drives me crazy. Because I never got those. I got in trouble all the time. Did, did any of y'all go to school where um, to, to really just get it to where the teacher didn't want to deal with you anymore, they just kicked you out of the classroom? Anybody ever have that? I see you, Cliff. I had a chair in the hallway with my name on it. In high school... I got kicked out of debate class for being argumentative. <laughs> I don't even know how you do that. She didn't appreciate the fact that I said, I think that this means I should get an A rather than kicked out. But you see, my problem in school was I would talk nonstop. Were any of y'all the students that kind of kept your head down, stayed out of trouble, followed all the rules, and just didn't really want to get called out by the teacher at all? I see you, Laura. <laughs> I was your worst nightmare. 
Because the teacher would put me next to you. <laughs> thinking that, that, that your good behavior would kind of rub off on me a little bit. But I would turn you. I would get to you. And I would get anybody in the world to talk to me. And so I had all these ideas about what I wanted to do with my life. At one point, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And at some other points in my life, I wanted to be a ninja. But it came as no surprise to my mother one day when I told her, I think I'm going to become a preacher. And she said, I always knew you would talk for a living. Because it's what I loved more than anything. And, and I didn't see in that moment that, that God was a part of, of something bigger. That my entire life would come about me building relationships and talking with people and being willing to go up to people and being willing uh, to stand in those moments and really uh, even to even get into trouble a little bit sometimes. And to not be afraid of those tough moments. And, and everything that I like to think that I was written up for in elementary school and middle school and high school, I'd like to think it has paid off into making me a great preacher. Right? <laughs> Because even my mother will say that God was up to something in that moment that was bigger than anything that we would ever have imagined or could see. And it might not just be how we act in school. It may be that God is up to something that's even a struggle in our lives. Something that looks like an obstacle. Something that looks like a loss. That is something so large and consumes our heart in such grief that there's no possible way we can move around it or to move through it. And yet even in those moments, I believe we can begin to see that God takes us who are broken. God takes us who are struggling. <clears throat> God takes us who are in need of redemption and still tells us that he came for us, that he wants to be with us, and that there is no obstacle, there is no loss, there is no pressure or demand on our time or our attention or our hearts or our spirits that will ever be greater than the love and the presence that God has for us. That what we call broken, what we call lost, what we call unredeemable, God sees a bigger picture. And God calls us worthy and beloved. And God calls us a child of God. One of the marks of this particular season is being able to remember our baptism, to come and to interact with the baptism waters in a way that reminds us that God is always with us. One of the unique things about being Methodist is uh, we baptize from, from infants to uh, the oldest saints in our community uh, because we believe that no matter how advanced no matter how intellectual, no matter how deep our understanding of God is, that God truly is bigger than that. That God is wider than that. 
that the greatest understanding that we can have of the grace and the love that God has for us in truth is infantile to just how much more deeply and loving God wants to be for us. Even the youngest people in our church, even the newborn babies, have just as much of an understanding of that touch of grace and love than any one of us. And so for some of us, as we were baptized, today is a day to remember that baptism. For those of us that never been baptism, baptized, you're still invited to come and to interact with these waters and understand that God's grace is available for you. God's healing and God's life is able to be poured out for you. And that we are all covered in the grace and the love of God. In just a moment, as the band starts to come forward and Pastor Reed's going to come and to help us, uh, you have an invitation to be able to come and to experience these waters. And uh, what you'll do is, uh, y'all here in these two sections, uh, if you'd like to come, you can come down the central aisle and you'll receive a, 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 just a small drop of water that we form into the shape of the cross on your forehead as a blessing is prayed over you. And those of you in these two sections here, you'll come down the central aisle here, here to Pastor Reed as well. But we have an invitation to come and experience these waters and God's grace and remember, remember that we are beloved children of God and commissioned to be a part of God's bigger picture, perfectly placed and perfectly gifted to help God in the work of making all things new. And so before we begin, let us pray a thanksgiving over these waters. Almighty and gracious God, we give you thanks for these waters. Lord, we ask for your blessing, we ask for your presence, and Lord, we ask for your grace to be with us, to remind us that these baptism waters, Lord, do not rely on our righteousness. They don't rely on how worthy we are. What they do is they remind us that we are your beloved, and we are children that are covered in your grace and your mercy. And Lord, we desire to be a part of that flood of your grace in your life that covers this world. As we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen.